Nation, Rob McGregor welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob McGregor. And Trish McGregor. And our tech magician, John Posey. You can go to our website, Phenomena 111, to find out about our nonfiction books, including the most recent one, Phenomena, Harnessing Your Psychic <clears throat> Abilities. And you can visit our blog at blog.synchrosecrets.com, where we make regular posts. Our guest today is Lilith Dorsey, author of Odishas, Goddesses, and Voodoo Queens. Since 1991, she's been doing successful magic for patrons of her business. She's the editor-publisher of Oshun African Magical Quarterly and filmmaker of the experimental documentary Bodies of Water, Voodoo Identity and Transformation. Lilith is also the author of Voodoo and Afro-Caribbean Paganism and the African-American Ritual Cookbook and choreographer for jazz, jazz legend Dr. John's Night Tripper Voodoo Show. Now this I want... This last sentence, you got to explain this. In July 2013, <laughs> she led her first ever voodoo zombie silent rave, complete with a very confused thriller flash mob. Okay, start there. <laughs> okay. Well, welcome. welcome. Yeah, welcome. So Sorry. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm excited. And I always okay. love to talk about the thriller flash mob. Um, <laughs> basically, the concept behind it was a, a lot of the events I do, um, or I used to do before the virus, were, uh, you know, a very eclectic group of people. Some of them had mm -hmm. little or no knowledge about voodoo. And I wanted to sort of have something where people could just come and, mm -hmm. and have fun, like a rave, you know. And part of the reason for the silent rave, which for those of you who don't know, it's everybody puts on their own music and their own headphones and mm. sort of dances to their own thing. Mm. So I thought yeah. that this would allow people to have their own sort of trance music, their own sort of like experience, but still be in a cool. place with other people, you know? Right. And then we just sort of wanted to make a joke about, you know, people think voodoo's all about zombies. I'm always getting people <laughs> saying, oh, what about zombies and stuff <laughs> like that, you know? So uh -huh. we decided we were going to have a little thriller flash mob, which was ridiculous. Oh, that is cool. It was so funny. Like, we rehearsed and rehearsed, and then we all messed it up. <laughs> yeah. Where, where did you do it? I did it at a place called Brushwood Folklore Center, which is in upstate New York. They run an event called Serious Rising, which mm. is actually going to happen this year online. So I'm going to go for that. Oh, we should say that uh, in preparation for our interview, we uh, the other night we watched Serpent in the Rainbow. Yeah. From, <laughs> from movie from 1988. And that's still a great movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good it's, movie. Yeah. yeah, I think people weren't really familiar with Voodoo at all before then. You know, I mean, I think it has some problems because it's a Hollywood sensational movie. So right. There is right. always that. But uh, I, I think there was really... A, viewing of Haitian culture in a way that you didn't really get in films before that. Mm -hmm. you right. know? So that was that's yeah. fascinating to me always, how yeah. these things make... If you'd been to Haiti and seen, you know, actual 
stuff. <laughs> I've never been to Haiti, unfortunately. I have a lot of, I just moved from New York City, but I have a lot of uh, Haitian Vodou friends in New uh -huh. York City that I used to do things with. And I met my Haitian girl mambo, Bonnie Devlin. I studied with her for a very long time. And I met her when I was living in New England. So, <laughs> wow. Oh, so yeah. how did you come upon your interest in uh, voodoo and santeria and related mystical practices? Well, I had, I was doing my undergrad degree in anthropology, and <laughs> I had a teacher. We were doing anthropology of religions and cultural anthropology. That was always my concentration. And he started talking about there's no such thing as witchcraft in the United <laughs> States, and there's no such thing as magic or voodoo. It's he was you know, misinformed. <laughs> yeah, he was he was a big bald idiot. But anyway, so <laughs> I wanted to prove him wrong. You know, not just for me and and the other people that I was studying with, but you know, my daughters were young at that time, and I wanted them to have something really positive about. African magic and traditional religion that I could show them that was mm -hmm. scholarly and also factual. So yeah. very quickly after that, I went to, I was, I was already teaching things like tarot and, and astrology and mm -hmm. crystals and stuff. And, and I went to an event to vend actually my products. And I met my voodoo priestess here in New Orleans, uh -huh. priestess Miriam from the voodoo spiritual temple. And I've been with her for 28 years. They just had wow. their 30th anniversary this year. So uh -huh. I've been with her most of that time. Now, you said in your book, uh, I think on your website, that you're a fire sign. Which fire sign? I'm an Aries. I knew you had to be Aries. <laughs> <laughs> so I never finish anything, right? That's <laughs> no, but you guys are the pioneers. You know, you're the ones, you're the intrepid ones. You go yeah. to work. Nobody else is gone. <laughs> it's true. We do go for First and fierce. That's yes. Yeah, that's a thing. Uh, Lilith, can you describe what kind of magic you do for your uh, for your clients? Well, at this point, I usually ask people to get a reading first, and that's because mm -hmm. all the magic I do is very individualized. I always liken it to cooking. You know, some people are allergic to peanuts or gluten, and it makes right. them very, very sick. And other people eat that stuff all the time and live off it. So I usually suggest people get a reading first because that way we'll see exactly what spells, magic, what kind of things they're going to need. And mm -hmm. most of the time it's something like candles or I do a lot of ritual baths with fresh herbs and things mm -hmm. like that and flowers. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of ritual floor washes so you can sort of bathe your home and your doors and uh -huh. your windows to make it safe or protected or, or healing or whatever really you need at that point. So that's how do you do the reading? Through tarot? I, yeah, I do tarot readings, and I also do pendulum readings. Mm -hmm. So I find that's really helpful for yes, no, and also really helpful when I'm coming up with baths and other uh -huh. things like that. I'll go to the traditional ones, and then we'll just go through the list. Is this going to be something that works for this person? Yes, no. You know, that kind oh, of thing. Oh, that's good. So it's similar in that sense to Santeria. It is. It is. I, I do belong to a Santo house. Unfortunately, my godmother just passed about a year ago. Well, almost two years now on Samhain. And so I miss her terribly. But I it's, I always have to explain this when people are interviewing me. It wasn't that I went out and I wanted to do five different traditions. <laughs> I met my urinary. <laughs> I know. Right. No, at first I met Priestess Miriam and she was in New Orleans and I was living in New England at the time. So that was very hard to you know, come down here and do rituals and things like that with her or her going up there or on the road. So 
And I started doing Haitian Vodou because I was teaching at a UU church where mm. the minister, Bonnie Devlin, was actually also a Voodoo priestess. So that was beautiful. And then in Santo, I, I had some justice work that I really needed done. And I had a good friend who was a Santera. And she said, you know, I called her. I was like, oh, my gosh, we need justice in this situation, <laughs> you know. And she was like, well, I think I have some Ochosi work that we could do for you. And I just sort of ended up doing things with them because of that. Huh. We were successful, thank the goddess. But Good. that's how I ended up doing all these things. It's not normal, I think, for, for people <laughs> to run out and do three or four different kinds of traditions. But it was really situational for me. Uh -huh. And I just, I love my godmothers very dearly. And I, I'm with each one of them still. It's not one of these things where I got initiated and then we fell out. No, I love yeah, all right. of them dearly. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and so you've written uh, several books. Uh, so what motivated you to get, get into writing books on this subject? Or... I never really <laughs> wanted to write books, actually. I wanted to make movies. I went to film school. I went to NYU, you know. Oh, wow. But yeah. uh, as I always say, paper is cheaper than film. So yeah, this it was is a lot easier to yeah. write something than, especially back when, you know, I graduated undergrad film school. I would have graduated in... 91, I think, and, and grad film school, I graduated in 2004. So it was, oh, wow. it was still not the kind of YouTube <laughs> culture that you have today where people can make films all the time and, and put out their own content. So right. I just started writing because I wanted the information to be out there. I had a lot of good friends that were writers and they encouraged me. Okay. If you take such an Aries, if you sit down and you take the time to write this book, I promise <laughs> you someone will give you some money for it. And I was like, all right, <laughs> you promise me, you gotta promise me, you know, one so. of the things I love about your book is you include these recipes for, uh, offerings to the Odishas or the Loas or to whoever <laughs> it's it's like a guidebook in some ways yeah. uh, you know for creating an altar and offerings to the lowes and uh so can voodoo be an individual practice as well as a group association uh, it really is i mean it really is the kind of teacher student or almost godparent godchild kind of mm -hmm. relationship you right know? yeah you join a family and that helps you grow together as a family mm -hmm. and that way you have somebody who's been doing it for X amount of years longer than you. They've been through the situations you've been through before, you know, and it makes me so proud of my God kids today. You know, I've had my own house with God kids for probably about 15 years now. Wow. And I've watched some of them go from, you know, oh, I just got fired at this job to like now they're running for local political office. You know? <laughs> so it's so, it's, it's so beautiful to me to see them, you know, just sort of grow and, and blossom and, and be able to help them through those situations and really watch them help each other, which is so important. You know, so we got to look like out a, for each other. It's like a mentor relationship. then. It is. It yeah. is. You know, they'll call me, like I said, with, okay, they have a problem with their job. Do they have a problem right. with a relationship, you know, like I remember once I was doing an interview, thank goddess it was that they couldn't see the text I was getting, but he's texting me. He's like, I think I got a sexually transmitted disease from this doctor. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> trying to keep it together. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> oh, that's funny. So yeah. they asked me everything. And that's the same way with my godparents, you know, uh -huh. like whatever situation I was in, either health or relationship money, I, I go to them and, and I you hmm. know, get their help. Um, why did you select Oshun as your guardian, Odisha? Well, she kind of selected me. I, uh -huh. I need to still go and get 
a proper reading for a head reading is three babalawos or high priests. And uh, it's part of the ceremony usually called Mano de Arunla, where you get the hand of Arunla. And when I had it done, I didn't know any better. And I had it done with only one babalawo. So I have to get it redone, which happens a lot. I think people, which is one of the reasons I wanted to write this book, because people don't know how things are supposed to be done because it's such mm -hmm. a secret tradition. And there are people out there trying to sell people readings, you know, to find uh -huh. out their guardian Arisha online. You can't do that online. online. You have to be in, yeah. <laughs> No, you have to, people are charging out there. You can't do it. You have to be in front of the person. Uh -huh. You have to be, there has to be three priests, all of that. But when I did do it, it came up Oshun. And, and every time I've had a reading with the Babalao since then, it's like, oh, and Oshun has come into the room. So we kind of really think it probably is Oshun. I'm going with uh -huh. that until yeah. uh, That's I get cool. in front of the three Babalaos and they tell me different, you know. It's, it's not cheap to be initiated either, is it? No, it's not. It's not. It, it costs a lot of money. But I always tell people, you know, you go to your doctor, maybe it's not coming out of your pocket, but somebody's paying that yeah, right. a lot of money. Somebody's paying that lawyer a lot of money, you know. So I, I think it's comparable in that way. It's not what a lot of traditional witches are used to because mm -hmm. there's been decades and decades of, oh, we don't charge for things, you know, but <laughs> practitioners need to eat. And there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen. A lot of times people need to travel from great hmm. spaces. There's food, there's, you know, flowers, there's these things go on for days. Sometimes drummers right. need to be Jeez. paid, musicians, all of these things <clears throat> need to be taken care of, you know, so. So these yeah, are really celebratory. It is, it is. Yeah. And like I said, it's a family. Everybody comes together. You know, sometimes mm. maybe a couple of people will be doing it at once. So it's like they're going through the same thing and you can get other, meet other people with that guardian spirit that you have and see how you're similar and discuss mm. things and learn things. And yeah, it is. It's a big celebration. Um, we, we got to know some Santeros. I think I told you this in an email. Yes. Yeah. And um, one of the things this guy, Ruben, was able to do when when his spirit came through him at spirit guide um he did some things that were really kind of shocking he would drink rum break the bottle dance on glass grind a lit cigar against his arm to no no injury yeah and he had the and he's not a regular drinker no uh and he had a, like a half a bottle of rum and he just dropped his head <laughs> back and poured it down his throat didn't seem <laughs> drunk at all and then we're in this small room in this concrete uh, floor, and he just smashed it. And there were other people there, too. He just smashed this bottle against the... Uh, he, was in, he was in trance at the time. Yeah. And uh, smashed it on the floor and then started dancing on with bare feet <laughs> on this broken glass. And, uh, you know... It did, he didn't seem to, he didn't cut himself. And then he took that cigar that he'd been using <laughs> as, you know, for a cleansing and, you know, got it nice and brightly lit and then jammed it into his forearm and Nothing. twisted it and there's <laughs> sparks flying. And so I went right up to, to him and, and took uh, my hand and rubbed my fingers over his, uh, over the ashes and there was no burn. No, no. Yeah. No, I, I think that that's pretty common for not those particular actions. But uh -huh. One of the things that if you see somebody in transpossession experience, they do things that are extreme to prove the presence of right. Orisha or Loa there. You know, mm -hmm. I've seen people pick people up, 
you know, five times their size and throw them across the room. Jeez. I've seen, you know, I've, there was one time I was eating dirt and speaking Acadian, uh, Cajun and I've, wow. I don't even speak French. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, there's, I've seen things and I've done things, you know, and it's really, is a blessing. I mean, it's not mm. to hurt the person. So obviously right. they're not going to be hurt by these things, but it kind of annoys me now that a lot of the other traditions have sort of incorporated transpossession mm-hmm. into their practices, but there are not these checks which and balances, which is what I think these things are, because what it is really is that, you know, you know if somebody's putting a lit cigar out on their arm and there's no burn, that you're right. in the presence of something divine. If you just right. see, I saw somebody once at an event, oh my gosh, she's possessed, she's speaking Hawaiian. Well, the girl was from <laughs> Hawaii. So, I mean, I, you know, no disrespect to the girl, but I'm not really sure anything's going on here, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, this guy, he even took on the, I mean, physically, he looked like an old man as his spirit came and his shoulders were hunched. Remember, I mean, he, right, he yeah. took on the... And he, he would snap his, uh, lean over uh, and snap his fingers, and we asked him what he was doing, and uh, he told us later that his ser, his spirit guide, uh, was this old man uh, who had been a Cuban uh, black slave, and he ha- he had a pet snake, and when he snapped his fingers, he was calling his snake over to him. Oh, that's nice. I like yeah, that. it was interesting. Yeah. Now, tell us, I mean, are there aspects of voodoo that you haven't written about because it's secretive? Yeah, there's definitely certain Uh things that I wouldn't tell people. And I tried really hard. I think I get a lot of criticism because some people think you shouldn't write about it at all. But I I thought really hard to put in the book that this is not something, you know, you're supposed to do by yourself or it's something you're supposed Uh to run out and, and, you know, make up your own tradition about or anything like that that there are teachers and there is a system and, and you should stay within that respectfully. Hmm. So yeah, yeah there's definitely things I yeah. can talk about. So how do uh, Santeria and uh, voodoo differ? I think it's the same thing. Like what's the difference between Haiti and Cuba, you know, like, yeah, or, right. or <laughs> Haiti and Cuba and Jamaica, you can see them all from each other, which I didn't realize until I was, you know, down there in the Caribbean, but it's like, oh, look at that. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but d- that's the, the, a lot of, especially nowadays, you know, I, I think 100, 150 years ago, it was different, but there's a lot of male dominated ideas that are present in Santeria or Santo that I think are not really to the same extent in Haiti because they don't have the same kind of machismo culture. Right, so right. I think it's very different for women in uh, Haitian Vodou. Yeah. There's, there seems to be way more heads of things, way more, you know, I had the opportunity to meet a woman who was the Vodou, Haitian Vodou advisor to the UN, Diawati Desir. She's oh, really? Woman. Yes, oh, she's a wonderful woman. But... Again, I I would find it really hard to believe if if in Santeria or Santo they sent a woman to be the advisor to the UN because yeah, right. it's it's you know the high priests are Babalawos and those are always men and mm-hmm. uh, it didn't used to be that way if you look back at at those you know it's all an oral tradition but if you talk to some mm-hmm. of the older people who know about things or were told things as they happened a hundred years ago the situations were very different the women did seem to have more power mm. and there was really a shift. So I think that just, 
you know, as an academic, that's the one basic thing that's different. But practically, you know, the entities, energies you're dealing with are called Loa instead of Arisha. Uh-huh. You know, and Orisha, if you translate it, you know, back saint, to the linguistics right? of it, Ori means head and Sha means universal energy. Uh-huh. So these are the different universal energies that can own your head or be your guardian mm-hmm. spirits. That's it's interesting that, that you have Voodoo in Haiti and uh, in the Dominican Republic, which is on the same island of Hispaniola, you, you have the Santeria. You have 21 divisions. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's it's very different, but I mean, you have a different language on that side of it. Yeah, right. true, that's true, true, that's true. And uh, <clears throat> it's, it's different. Yeah. And I think a lot of different. I have a friend, uh, Clara Valvuis, and she runs an organization called Dominicans Love Haitians. There's been a lot <laughs> of strife between the two sides of yeah. the island, and I'm really glad that she's doing the work to sort of bring some of that back together. And yeah, it's very different. It's very different. That must things. be really difficult work too. It is. It is. She's a you have to speak woman. both Spanish and Creole, right? Yeah, and she speaks English too. She's a wonderful. Wow. Woman. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. And she's so, actually in the. She's in Santo. So that's. Oh, okay. Nice too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, I I think there really is a, not to make a joke about 21 divisions, but there really are a lot of divisions between the different sides of the island. It's different names. It's different energies. 21 divisions is completely different. It doesn't even have the same as Santeria. It, even if you look at like in Haiti, both Haitian Vodou and Santo have the spirit Ogun, who is the spirit of the forge. Now in Haiti, it's a mm. different color. They use red for him. And in Santo, they use green for him. Oh. But but the they same still have that energy, yeah. But but there are some a lot of similarities too, since it comes from all from the Yoruba culture, right? Uh, of uh, Western Well, Africa. Haiti comes a li- Haitian Vodou comes slightly more from Benin. They still practice huh. you in Benin. Okay. Benin has an International Voodoo Day, January tenth. So, it's you know it's like neighboring people, you know. Right. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. so it's very different. Yeah. I think now, in that way. How, how does uh, divination play a role in your practice? I mean, other than when you do a reading for somebody to see what type of spell you should yeah, do. Yeah, I do, I do readings all the time. I think everybody should do readings all the time. I mean, if you're new at it, I think you should do readings all the time just so you can strengthen yourself and increase right. your practice. And, oh, okay, today I got this card and then this happened. So you can see yeah. what it means for you because it's going to mean something different for you than it does mm-hmm. for everybody else out there. You know, I mean, we have a card. I use the New Orleans Voodoo Tarot deck which was written by my priest, Louis Martinet and Sally Ann Glassman, who's a mumbo down here in New Orleans. And their card for the tower card is Le Deluge, the flood. And I remember mm. once I got it and I'm running around, you know, I'd probably only been reading cards for maybe five or six years. So I thought, oh my gosh, something terrible is going to happen. I'm the tower card. <laughs> it's going to be a flood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like... And everybody freaks out when they get the tower card. Yeah, so I was freaking out. And it turned out Deluge means flood. You know, that day my water heater broke and it flooded all <laughs> over my basement. So it wasn't oh that somebody God. was going to, you know, die a horrible, terrible death. It was right. there was going to be literal water in my basement. And <laughs> it was going to be not great, but not like, oh, my gosh, cataclysmic <coughs> disaster time. That's a really good synchronicity, actually. <laughs> I mean, you draw the card and then this thing happens. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, hopefully. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I have to tell you something very strange. 
we have two cats that are inside the house. They've never done this before. And right now they're both going kind of nuts. I, I don't know why they're acting like this. Yeah, one of them is cr crawling around on the table. <laughs> so, That's funny. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things when we went to some uh, Santeria ceremonies that uh, Ruben would uh, would do this cleansing, and he did it in a couple different ways, limpieces or cleansings. He did yeah. flowers, uh, you know, bouquet of flowers, and just wipe it up and down your body and all over. And then he'd also blow cigar smoke at you, which is, you know, uh, I think it's kind also of... Also Florida water. Florida water, yeah. too. Yeah, but I think cigar smoke is kind of funny as a cleansing. But uh, <laughs> uh, what what is being cleansed? Oh, all the negative energy on you, all the energy that you might have picked up from somebody else, you know? I mean, by using the fresh flowers, that sort mm -hmm. of is both a cleansing and a blessing at the same time because it <clears> helps you to remove all of that bad stuff and then also gives you the blessing that comes with all the flowers, you know. Okay. Usually it's very specific flowers that you'll use. A mm. lot of times it's local flowers. Now, yes, it's local flowers because that's what you can get, but it's also uh -huh. local flowers because we believe that whatever's growing closest to you is what you need. So that's mm. what's in your environment. Your environment is providing you the medicine that you need uh -huh. to become healed and blessed. And the tobacco... Yeah, it seems funny because, you know, I mean, I'm a smoker and <laughs> we have this whole culture of, you know, sort of the Mad Men 1950s smoke filled rooms and stuff <laughs> like that. But if we go back, there's a lot of indigenous and native magic that has influence on these traditions. So, you know, tobacco can also be sacred. And even if you look at it medically, I knew a person who actually she had parasites on her face sounds horrible right oh my god but what the doctor prescribed for her was tobacco you know it takes out the poison if you have a spider bite takes out parasites so a lot oh. of things won't live past tobacco so oh. how so how well, how did she use it she smoked it oh she, she smoked, smoked it cigars. Okay, and yeah huh yeah. yeah yeah it's always cigars that they use it seems not like regular cigarettes we have a deity in Haitian Vodou, Maman Brigitte. She smokes cigarettes. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And then huh. people do cigarettes, too, sometimes for Pombajira, who's a Brazilian candomblé deity. Now, how does uh, Brazilian manifestation of, of voodoo and Santeria differ, or does it? It does. I think it's very class slash race stratified. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got people doing pure mediumship and espiritismo, where they just sort of, you know, it's kind of like a Misa in Santo. Uh -huh. So they'll set a table and just have transpossession communication with the ancestors or the spirits or whatever wants to show up. And yeah. then there are ones that are very African inspired, you know, Umbanda, where you uh -huh. get deities like Hambajira, who I mentioned, or Eshu, which is the counterpart to El Gua, who's very like, they're street people and you right. look at the offerings in the street and they drink a lot of rum and that cigars <laughs> and... You know, yeah. they're very lusty sometimes, especially in the case of Pombajira. So there's, yeah, it's it's much more colorful, I guess, is what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Talk to us about this documentary you did. Yeah, what's the role of water in voodoo? To me, I, I think that the water is very influential. It influences the character of the religion. Mm. Our bodies are made up of, what is it, 92% water above a lot or more. So <laughs> yeah. our bodies are mostly water. So when we're somewhere like New Orleans or 
wherever we are and we're next to what you guys are near a big bodies of water mm-hmm. where, whenever we're next to a big body of water that influences our character you know it uh-huh. influences, it's influenced by the moon it influences us so i just was thinking about how in new orleans they say we get tipsy and everything's a little bit more magical <laughs> here because of the character of the river because of the character of the mississippi mm-hmm. you know this is where it and and somebody reminded me yesterday like oh, it, it, this is also kind of almost where it dumps out into the Gulf. So, you know, I just moved from New York City where the Hudson meets the Atlantic, you know, uh-huh. so I'm, oh, wow, here we go. I'm in another place where it's like a river emptying up yeah, that's a cool. giant like sea or Gulf or something like that. So that's a unique spot, too, that it's in this kind of in-between spot. So many times in, in magic, we find out that the real special things happen in those in-between spaces. Hmm. So being in that in-between space of being river and gulf or river right. and ocean allows you to have a different sort of you're walking in between the worlds then mm-hmm. just because of the space. So That's the cool. documentary, I made it before Katrina, which is so weird to me that I called it Bodies of Water. I talked <laughs> about all the water in New Orleans. And yeah. it was about my priestess Miriam here and how about the character influenced both, you know, and the, we got the lake too. So it's like the character of the, oh, lake, that's right. the, character yeah, that's of the river and the character of the Gulf all there together, how each of those yeah. things creates this unique magical bubble that is mm. New Orleans. Now you weren't there for Katrina, right? No, no I wasn't. Yeah. I just moved here a month ago, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yes. Uh, now what prompted uh, you? Can, can I throw something in real quick? Uh, because sure. I grew up in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and oh, wow. the Native Americans uh, referred to the Tennessee River as the Singing River. There's a documentary out about the town and a lot of the music that came out of there back in the 60s and 70s that is related to this magical field around that body of water in mm. Muscle Shoals. So. Yeah, I've yeah. seen that documentary. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I understand that Beyonce has some involvement in Century. <laughs> that is what people are saying. I can't really find anybody <clears throat> to go on record saying <laughs> that, oh, yes, she belongs to our house. Yeah, yeah, right. She's certainly been using those kinds of images and saying things about mm. Oshun, about Yamaya, you know, she had the uh-huh. twins. So there's all this kind of, we have divine twins in Santo as well. So there's all these sort of parallels that are going on. And I think that, I mean, I wish she would say more, honestly. And uh, I'm sure there mm. are people that wishes she would say less because it's supposed to be a secret <laughs> right. tradition. But I think right. that her bringing it out into the open is creating a lot of real interest for people where they didn't, really think these things right. were okay. And now that the queen bee did it, then we can all do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Interesting. You had a really cool story. T- tell us about the mythology of the three Juans in the, in the boat at the feet of Oshun. Oh, of Oshun. Yeah. Yes. I love that story. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny how these, obviously there was an Oshun before, you know, mm-hmm. we were talking earlier about how she comes from the Yoruba culture and mm-hmm. there's an Oshun river in Nigeria and, and that's her sacred spot. But she ended up becoming the patron saint of Cuba in the form of Caridad del Cobre. And the story was that there were three fishermen and they were drowning and the boat was sinking. And then all they could like grab onto was the statue of Caridad del Cobre and she <laughs> saved them. And then they were rescued. And that's why they decided that that should be 
the patron saint. But <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> when you see, yeah, when you see the statues, there's she always has a little boat. The the image of the Virgin carried Dubdel Cobra. There's always a little boat, and there's three little wands in there. And mm-hmm. I think in the story, the way the legends told in actually in Cuba, there were only two wands in the boat, but somehow <laughs> another wand got in there too. That's mm-hmm. funny. Yeah, I think yeah. you know that San, we went when we were in Havana. We went to uh, they have they celebrate Santeria every Sunday, and all these people pour into the streets in their costumes. They do trance, they do dance, you know, music. And I think somebody did come in carrying a a small uh, boat, a little like an mm-hmm. altar type thing. Yeah. yeah, lots of times they will do offerings on uh-huh. little tiny boats and float them out into the water. They do a giant one in Brazil on January 1st for Yemaya. They make, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at Rio, like there's thousands of these tiny rafts with flowers and statues oh, wow. and melons and everything out floated out at midnight with candles. It's beautiful. They used to, you know, televise it on TV. I don't know how many people are going to go now with the virus, but yeah, right. <laughs> I always tell people to watch the news, though, because it always makes the news because it's just huh. such a beautiful thing to oh, see. Cool. Yeah. In Havana, there's uh, Seba trees everywhere. And uh, tell us about this tree's connection to the Orishas, in particular with Oshun. And Olifi? Olifi, yeah. Yeah, Olifi and Oshun both have a connection to the Seba tree. I think it's one of the most sacred trees in Santo. Mm -hmm. You're right. Mm -hmm. Uh, My godmother Oshun had one, and it was always sort of the place that she would go first to make sure offerings were left and and definite sacred space in her garden. The story is that, you know, it's it's one of the things that forms a conduit, sort of a pathway between this world and the next. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why people tend to have them and use them and use them as offerings and things like that, because it sort of allows us to get messages and, and send offerings off into the other world. It's funny, when we went to uh, Havana, a friend of mine said, here, I want you to put this in a seba tree. And she had a particular desire or something that she... So I did. <laughs> it's probably still there, sitting in a... Nice. Little, yeah. But it's... They're such beautiful trees, you know. It's, they are. Majestic. They really are. Yeah, can you tell us about the uh, the voodoo queen, uh, Maria Laveau? <laughs> oh, Marie what kind Laveau, of powers did she have? She had lots of powers. People <laughs> say she used to be able to walk on water. I love oh. that. And... Uh, they say that she would float and walk out on Lake Pontchartrain for hmm. St. John's Eve, which is the biggest holiday in Buddha. It's usually at June 23rd. Hmm. And she would have ceremonies out there and she'd put candles on her head and candles on her hands and just like walk out into the lake. Wow. Which I think is so fascinating. Yeah. But hmm. there's, there's lots of different folklore, legend stories about her. I know people know her from the TV shows and everything, all these media depictions and everything mm. like that. And right. uh, I mean, it was the late 1800s, so we may never know exactly what was yeah. happening. But yeah. we do know that Queen Victoria uh, paid her for a reading. Uh, oh. We know that she was the first person to hold public ceremonies in this country. Wow. The first person to charge for psychic services. Uh-huh. She knew what's what. We all got to eat. And <laughs> right. <laughs> I love she the story was, you you talk about her uh, the the way she could manipulate police too. <laughs> she did. She was a hairdresser, and she'd get all the information from the policemen's wives and the judges' wives <laughs> and stuff like that. And then 
she would do whatever she needed to with that information. One of my favorite stories is about <coughs> that she had a rival and the rival had this giant statue in her front room of the store where she would do consultations and stuff. And she just walked up and stole the statue and punched the woman in the face. And then <laughs> she took her to court. It's hysterical. She all this dirt on the judge. So he, he just dismissed the case. <laughs> she had dirt on the judge? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's funny. And wow. you're right that she could uh, make uh, police start barking like a dog and turn and <laughs> yeah. run from her. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. There's even a story where she like started a thunderstorm once when somebody was supposed to be hanged <laughs> and uh, it like struck the noose and the, the guy got cut down, but then they hanged him again the next day, unfortunately. Mm. But oh. She got him another day at least. Yeah. Why did you move to New Orleans? I mean, I've I, I can understand New Orleans. Oh, okay. And uh, we were talking before about hot spots. I was in New York City and, mm -hmm. you know, being quarantined in my little apartment was not doing well. So I was going to move anyway, but uh, it seemed like this was a good time. Hmm. That's that's a daring thing to do in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> it was hard. It was hard, yeah. too. Me and my best friend got a rental truck and we drove down. It was nuts. It was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Had you already rented a place? In, in I had actually bought a place because okay. I was planning on buying a place anyway. I was just going to move much later this year. Uh -huh. But I figured, oh, well, look, now I have a house and I can't afford to pay rent and a mortgage. <laughs> so let me just go move into my empty house. So huh. that's okay. what happened. And now I have a yard and everything is so nice. Huh. Are you a cook? You have a lot of recipes. I know, in I your love book. recipes. <laughs> I am. I grew up with all these kitchen witches, and I grew up with my <laughs> nana and all my other, you know, older female relatives cooking in the kitchen and learning all of that stuff. And and I made my daughter a foodie too. She went to Cornell. She went to restaurant school, and she's worked with all these Michelin star chefs oh, and everything. Geez. So yeah, I'm a big foodie. A big huh. foodie. I love cooking and I love the, you know, the magic of cooking, you know, mm -hmm. because you can share something with your family and put a little parsley in there and, you know, just have the healing power of those herbs in there hmm. while they're eating it. And it's just like a blessing for everybody. You got to eat anyway. So you might as well, right. might as well eat something good, right? And add some of those little magical things that'll make it uh. all that much better. What, um, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. And you can use the food for offerings as well to the Orishas? You can. There are some things that, you know, once you're initiated, you're not allowed to eat. I tell a story in the book about how I was having an Oshun feast at my house, and we obviously made all the things that Oshun likes, shrimp, <laughs> and, you know, she's got this spinach omelet that she makes. And then I had two Santeras and a Santero dedicated to Oshun show up at the house, and then I had to make them a whole separate meal because they're not allowed to eat any of those foods because oh, those really? are Oshun's sacred foods. Oh, wow. So, That's interesting. Yeah. 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 Huh. You get There's a lot of food taboos you get when you initiate in the tradition, and it usually goes along with whoever your guardian Orisha is. Mm -hmm. Interesting. What, what are you working on now? Uh, I have another book coming out, Water Magic. That's going to come out in October. Oh. So that's Is Wiser exciting. publishing it? No, it's a Llewellyn book. Oh, oh good. Yeah, we've got a, a book with Llewellyn. They're yeah. good. And a Llewellyn the author now, too. So, yes, this is exciting. But, oh. yeah, it's What's part it called? of a series. Water Magic. Okay, Water Magic. I like that. It's part of a yeah. series that they're doing. There's going to be four books. Mine's going to be the first one. So oh, it's cool. just everything Water Magic. 
you know, stories and, you know, whatever, (laughs) dolphins, a spirit animal, whatever. (laughs) All the stuff, all the things about water. Yes, yes. We're in a little town called Wellington, Florida, which is west of West Palm. And actually, this is the headquarters of Weiser, too. Yeah. Um, Weiser. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know that. We've never met him, but we met, uh, we met her, the woman Ange- who, Angela. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Well, uh, tell people where they can get your book and your website, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> okay, wonderful. My website is lilsdorsey.com, and they can go there to find out about where I'm going to be online because I'm doing a lot of online testimonies. Oh, yeah, I bet. They can email me there to book a reading. They can check out my blog, too, Voodoo Universe. Like, just pop that in the search engine and I'll show up. (laughs) And uh, the book is available pretty much everywhere. I know sometimes people don't like to buy it from major retailers or stuff like that, so then they can just email me at voodoouniverse at yahoo.com and get it a signed copy directly from me. Perfect. And you do readings... uh, Via telephone, then? Yes, telephone and video. They can email me for that, too. Yep. Nice. Hmm. Are you on Instagram? Yes, I am on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, I'm all over the place. All over the place. I'll follow you. (laughs) Okay. Yes, yes. I want to be Insta-famous. Follow me, follow me. (laughs) This has been great. Um, we really appreciate your coming on. We'd like to have you back when when your new book comes out. Oh, thank you so much. That would be great. Yeah. So oh, keep, keep us posted. I will. I will. Okay. Good talking to you. Yeah, good, great talking to you. Nicole. Oh, good talking to you guys, too. Thank and you. And stay safe. Oh, you too. And well. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Mystical Underground. Listen to the podcast at www.themysticalunderground.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Visit the blog, blog.synchrosecrets.com. Visit the book site, phenomena111.com. Send us email, podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening, and stay mystical. Hello. How are you? Is it Lilith or Lilith? Lilith. Lilith. Okay, we were right. right. I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, we were having this little conversation about which which version it was. That's okay. (laughs) So you're in New Orleans? Yes, I am in New Orleans. Okay. Where are you guys? We're in South Florida. West Palm Beach area. Yeah. Oh wow. And uh, then John, our tech magician, he's in Alabama, in uh, Huntsville, right? Huntsville. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. North, North. Oh, my daughter spends a lot of time in Huntsville. What's that? She loves it there. I said my daughter spends a lot of time in Huntsville. She loves it there. It's, oh, cool. Uh, it's a, it's a cool little, cool little big town. So. <laughs> <laughs>